0: But we are starting today taking a look at some of the notable forest fires in this province. And we've been talking a lot about the evacuation of Tumbler Ridge. Earlier today, we heard from the mayor of Tumbler Ridge, Daryl Krakowka. So
1: yesterday we've seen a lot of the wind uh, blowing from the west to the east. So it did give them the opportunity uh, to keep working on that fire guard that we've been talking about. And uh, this morning, same thing. We have a very, very light breeze, but it is... uh, Heading the right direction for them and for us, so they able My understanding they will be working on that guard uh, all day today, and keeping us with updates. Uh, we have not heard the new estimated uh, size of the fire, um, but yeah. So the weather is definitely uh, what we uh, are relying on right now, as well as the rain that they're calling for tomorrow at ten millimeters poss- possibility. So,
0: well, joining us now is Will Howe, a longtime Tumbler Ridge resident. Will, thank you so much for taking some time today. Thank you very much. How long have you lived in that area?
2: Uh, our, we moved out here in 84 hmm. from Newport.
0: Oh, very nice. I did all my
2: kindergarten to grade 12 in town and uh, did my apprenticeship out of here. And I uh, was up in Fort McMurray for a few years and then moved back for probably the last 15.
0: Oh, wow. So so you know the area very, very well.
2: Like the back of my hand, you bet. Uh,
0: so what's happening there now? What can you tell us about this fire and the district of Tumblr Ridge?
2: You know, uh, we, we are located south. We're out in the industrial park uh, of town. We have a storage yard out here. So we've got a, a whole bunch of people when they left town brought a bunch of uh, boats and side-by-sides and skidoos and you name it. And people were just dropping stuff off in a mad rush. And uh, so we're, that's where we are located south of town. So we've got kind of a different vantage point from everybody in the community. And uh, we kind of, like right now, I'm looking back at towards town, and off to the east, I can see the smoke plumes starting to rise again. We had a major flare up here yesterday afternoon. Uh, even though the winds seem to be probably, uh, are mostly coming in from the, the west and a little bit from the south, uh, th- these winds are just whipping these things up uh, uh pretty large it's not pushing it back towards the community like everybody talks about but the fire is getting bigger and bigger so
0: Hmm. and how does that compare because i think we all we all or many people saw that aerial footage of the fire and and the smoke kind of when it was when the evacuation was ordered and it must have just been so stressful for everybody but how does it compare how things are looking right now
2: uh right now i'd say it's like you know maybe a tenth of what it was uh visually i mean i can't say for sure what the fire is doing but from what we could see from town and where we are it's it's just starting to kind of flare back up here this afternoon uh but on the day of the evacuation i mean it it was like reminiscent of whatever year it was oh six or whatever it was like a massive white mushroom cloud up over top of the community and uh you know it was uh it was it was pretty uh it came on really quick That's the one thing that I can say that came out of this is that no pre-warning that thing was moving so fast, there was no point putting on pre-warning. They were just like, it's time to get out, get going, right?
0: Right, right. And I I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, 06, if you'd ever experienced anything like this before.
2: Yeah, 06, we did the same thing. We loaded up our RVs and everybody headed towards Chetland. Uh, I decided not to go right into Chetland. Uh, You know, we're we're northern folks and a pretty rural community and, a lot of us have rvs and campers and and hunt and fish and and this type of stuff so living in the bush in my camper for a couple of weeks wasn't a big deal for us at all and uh th- this is basically what we've done here again uh, i'm camped out in my industrial yard staying in my rv and uh just trying to keep an eye on things out in this neck of the woods because uh, there's still access out to here people can still get into this area from alberta so
0: Right. Uh, You mentioned kind of where you are as well in the the more industrial area. Is that where you live as well? Or do you have property? as your home uh, kind of in jeopardy?
2: Yeah, no, I I live right on Gwilym Crescent. Uh, Before I left the community, I was up on the roof with sprinklers on the roof of my shop and my house and everything I could do to soak the yard down to to hopefully do something with it. And uh, since I've left, I've seen pictures of my house now that they have the... uh, Fire crews have gone and put their sprinkler systems up on it, similar to the stuff that they used in Logan Lake. And uh, my my place is right on the, the bush line. Like we we live on the green belt, and uh, you know, depending if it comes in from the east or the the west of the community, it's definitely uh, right in the line of fire there. So, but where we are, where I am today, is not. I'm fifteen, sixteen kilometers away from the fire, so
0: right. So it's still got to be a pretty. I mean, you sound so calm, which I don't know that everybody would be that calm, not knowing what what's going to happen to your home. But on the the same, this in the same breath, like you're saying, nothing you can really do about it at this point. Everything sounds like everything that can be done is being done.
2: Yeah, you know that uh, in a, in a sense that uh, you you hope that they're doing everything. I mean, I'm, what are you going to get worked up over? Everything mm-hmm. is insured. Uh, I don't know how that plays out. I've never had to go through insurance like that, but I've talked to my insurance guy and he told me, don't worry about it. Will everything is fine. And if it, if it goes, you're, you, you know, we can rebuild and, and whatnot. So I, I'm not too concerned about it. The I got my dog out. My family lives down South down in Penticton right now. So uh, uh, that was what was uh, most important to me. We got some, some, uh, some of the kids, baby clothes and uh, a hope box and, and a few pictures and, Everything's digital now, though, anyways, right? So it's not like True. you lose the ones that are on your wall, you can't replace them with the ones that are on your iPhone, right? So,
0: Yeah, no, that's a very good way of looking at it. Uh, what do you say about the community? And I know you've lived there for some time uh, as far as the community really coming together and dealing with uh, suddenly everybody in town is being told you need to pack up and get out.
2: You know, it, I think there was a bit of confusion. You know, we just uh, some folks were starting to head towards Dawson and the Dawson Highway got shut off. And then people were heading what we call the Boundary Road, which uh, is the backside of Highway 52 that takes you out towards uh, Beaver Lodge in Alberta. Uh, people started going that way. Then they shut that road off because of the fire that's close to Kelly Lake. Uh, so everybody kind of got funneled towards Chetwin. Uh and, and so there was a, 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 it wasn't as smooth as what everybody might think it was. There was a bit of pandemonium in town. There was lineups at the gas pumps uh, and and things like that. There were people that broke down on the side of the road because they didn't have enough gas. And uh, uh, there was a few incidents I heard of uh, a, a new family had just moved here from South Africa and didn't have their own vehicle and they didn't know how to get out of town. And a friend of mine gave him his secondary vehicle and they've left town in this vehicle. <laughs> They're out in Chetland somewhere with his vehicle now, so... It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's different for sure, but, uh, it's what's to be expected you just help your neighbors out when you can right
0: right and it's great to hear that and things that yeah you might not see that in other places maybe where it's not such a tight-knit community but it really is great to hear about people doing that and helping each other out Uh, what are your thoughts then we heard from the mayor there saying that the good news is there is some rain in the forecast again it's all about which way the wind is going at this point do you just kind of wait it out or, or what do you do while while you're waiting to see what happens next
2: yeah, you know, they, they talk a lot about the wind direction as a great thing. But in my mind, any wind that affects this fire, like we, we've got winds right now. I'm standing here looking at the fire and the winds are coming from the south and this fire is blowing up again. It's just not in the direction of Tumblr Ridge. But the larger this fire gets, I mean, the more chance it has to come back in, uh, and get another run at the community, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and and again, I know a lot of people here have seen that footage and seen uh, the pictures of uh, what's happening in the community. Uh, you must have been there then as well, uh, not too too long ago, but with the mill closures and uh, people referring to Tumblr Ridge kind of as a bit of a ghost town with with so many jobs lost, it's certainly gone through a lot of changes.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's not it's not the mills, right? We're uh, we're a coal mining community, so it's mines. Uh, it's Sorry, the yeah. yeah, the mines, and that that's fine. We get that a lot, but uh you know it's it 's a hidden gem i've got to be honest with you it 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 uh, 's terrible in the community when we lose our major employer and we get a lot of people leaving but uh the original time when it happened back in two thousand when both my parents got laid off, I was actually in university at the time. that was a very stressful time uh and uh, the housing prices go down to absolutely nothing they 're selling houses for twenty five and fifty thousand dollars and it 's only just until recently the housing prices in Tumblr came up a bit and uh, you know, you can still get a a, a beautiful single-family home in Tumblr Ridge for less than two hundred thousand dollars on a piece of land that's you know quarter of an acre, uh, fully serviced community. It's it's honestly it's a hidden gem and it's uh, it's you know holds a, a place uh, near and dear in my heart and raised my kids here. I was raised here and. uh you know, we're not going anywhere. We're going to do what we can to try to help, uh, to help out as much as we can.
0: Mm, well, that's uh, that's great to hear. Uh, at this point, have any structures been lost, or are structures still kind of in danger and in the line of that fire?
2: Yeah. So the only information that I've heard, and most of this is coming from the fire officials, is that uh, we do have a, a big wind project uh the capital winds project uh that is on near the quality uh, creek and what ha- we have heard out there is that some of the power transmission poles out there have been burnt off uh and they've burned through some of the uh windmill uh, the, the turbine sites but the turbines themselves haven't been affected i mean those things are you know 90 100 meters in the, in the air but uh that's that's the only thing that we've heard i know there was a big push on to protect the substation up there Uh, But that's that's all we've heard at this point. There is some oil and gas infrastructure in that area as well. But I haven't heard that that any of that's been touched either.
0: All right. Have you heard about people staying behind? I know not everybody left when the evacuation order came in. Have you heard any word or any idea of people who are not leaving and and, and are going to stay and fight for their homes?
2: For sure. Absolutely. There's uh, I think they said something in the neighborhood. There's an estimate of about 150 people stayed behind. So that's that's really quite a large contingent of people. uh, uh, And what they are doing right now is the majority of them are staying out of the way uh, from what I hear. And they are basically going around and and collecting people's pets and cats and getting them fed, uh, you know, uh, backyard chickens, watering people's gardens. Just kind of shutting the gas off. P&G is our gas supplier up here, and you know it caught them by surprise as well. But they did put out on like a Facebook post, please shut your gas off when you're leaving town. Nobody did. Everybody was already out of town when it happened. So some of those folks are going around doing those types of things. Uh, there's a good contingent of folks that are doing that. Uh, and But on the other side, there are a few people that are doing some things that are completely ridiculous. We've heard stories of people that are going hiking up to the bald spot so the bald spot is about a kilometer and a half ish directly in line with the fire so they put themselves the fires three kilometers away and they want a, a kilometer and a half closer to it to get better pictures of the community so hmm. there's some people that are doing some silly things out there and uh you know i i think that uh if you're if you're sticking around town you're trying to stay out of the way and do the right thing i don't think there's any issue with it but if you're going out and getting in the road of the the firefighters and the bombers and and the helicopters and this type of thing, uh, you're taking a huge risk. And honestly, uh, they should be they should be finding people that are doing things like that.
0: Yeah, big difference, because I I was under the understanding as well that there were even some temporary permits, if you had a legitimate reason that you had to go in and and look after livestock or do something essential, which sounds like the people who stayed back, that's what they're doing as well. Much different than going on a hike up to to see what's happening. Uh, Will, one more question for you. I'm just curious, what is the air quality like where you are
2: you know what it's it's lights out we got no problem where we are it's fantastic here it's it's probably better than what you guys have in vancouver i'd say but <laughs> <laughs> it, to the east of the community you can see it billowing out towards like one island lake and uh, close to dawson creek and we've got friends that are out in dawson said the air quality in Dawson's starting to get a lot worse uh and uh, that close to the bc alberta border is not very good either so
0: All right. Well, Will, I appreciate you taking the time to bring us up to date on this and I'm hoping that the weather cooperates and things uh, work out as best as can be uh, hoped for. Thank you again so much, Will, for joining us today.
2: You bet. I appreciate it as well and getting our message out here. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Well, this is something we have talked about on the show before. Imagine finding out that if something doesn't change, you are about to lose access to your property no longer able to drive in or drive out. You might recall if you heard this story before, one of the suggestions was maybe a helicopter is the only option. Well, Evan Bell is joining us once again. And Evan Bell is a a resident of the Othello area near Hope. And with a bit of an update on this, Evan, thanks so much for being here.
3: Well, thank you for listening to this again.
0: Well, last time we talked to you, it didn't sound great to remind people what was going on. This is a road called Fish Camp Road. It's the only access to your home in the Othello area near Hope. Has there been any update since we last talked about whether or not you would have access?
3: No, we still, uh, we're still not able to get access uh, to Fish Camp Road or to our home. Um, there has been no progress at all, uh, despite trying everything and think of and every, every person in the government or anywhere we can try to, to, uh, to, to find an answer to this. Uh, we haven't, we've been unsuccessful and we've been informed by, uh, Uh, Trans Mountain, whose temporary access we're using at the moment, that it's going to be closed on June 14th, which will leave us without access to our home, which makes it basically uninhabitable.
0: So as of June 14th, so two days from now, you could, if you're at home, you're saying you wouldn't be able to leave your house. There's no way for you to leave. And if you're not at home, there's no way for you to physically drive in and access your house.
3: There's no way to get in to drive into our house and the only way we could leave or come in would be to trespass on other people's land which that's not an option
0: when you talk about the options and everything being exhausted I know we, we talked about kind of the history of fish camp Road and there was a question on whether, whether or not this road is public or private can you remind us again how did this road which was your access point to your home how did it become a road that now isn't a road that you can use
3: well uh... I can't find out that answer. I've been to the Ministry of Transportation and informs me that at some time in the past the road was changed from a public road to a private road and the land that the road was on was gifted to the landowners along the road without any consideration for our property.
0: And when you raise this with the Fraser Valley Regional District, with the, what, the ministry that's involved, and raise this and, and show them kind of the absurdity of what this means for you and accessing your property where you've been for many years, what kind of a response do you get?
3: Well, the first response I got when I called them was that it isn't their problem. Uh, the FBRD said it wasn't their problem, that it was to take it up with Modi, the uh, Ministry of Transportation and um so i went to the uh ministry of transportation office in chilliwack and i believe i spoke to a gentleman named foo there and he can he confirmed that, that the uh road was made private at some point in the past he was not able to tell me when it was made private and um i asked for his documentation or you know to show me what what happened and he has not provided me with any documentation or anything. So there, there's, I can't find out even why it was changed or when it was changed.
0: And that seemed to be part of the issue when we talked before as well, that there, there were documents that should exist somewhere and didn't, or it was difficult to access them. Does it seem to you that there is still that information? It must be out there somewhere, but you've just not been able to find it?
3: Well, you, you would think that the uh, Ministry of Transportation would have this documentation because in order to make a, a private a public road private, you, there's a process, there's a legal process that you have to go through to, to do that. And it's, it's very uncommon for it to happen. And it, it can happen that a road is decommissioned when, when a landowner puts in say um, like a plan for a subdivision and uh, and it, they require the road to be de- decommissioned, but generally there's new roads going in and there's there's compensation that, that would allow no one to be landlocked, you know? Um, one of the prerequisites for, for decommissioning a road is that there is no, um, that it's not necessary anymore. And, and I don't see how a road could, that, is someone's only legal access to the residential property could be considered the road could be considered considered unnecessary it's it's very necessary
0: right and does this also um evan do you think this was started or is a a, a, the reason that this has happened or partially because of the flooding and the fact that part of fish camp road was flooded and destroyed and and somehow that led to another resident building it back as a private road
3: well, the the uh, the resident uh, next to me, that the land apparently is a private road on his land. He built a new road, and he doesn't want anyone else to use that road. So the the, the road remains unrepaired. I'd be even willing to repair the damaged part of the road. I can you know I'll hire somebody to come and, and repair the road, if necessary. We we need access, but but the the thing is, um, this all began for me maybe about two years ago when when there was a mudslide on Fish Camp Road. And I I talked to the neighbor about why it wasn't being fixed, like a few days after it happened. And he told me that the Ministry of Transportation was no longer going to maintain Fish Camp Road because it is a private road, not a public road anymore. And, that, and then a, a few months after that, there was the flood and the flood washed out part of the road. So that made it completely impassable, unusable. Um, he, he built a new road. Fish Camp Road remains unrepaired.
0: So when you say you would be willing to repair the part of the road that was damaged, is that an option that if you were to spend the money, that if you could repair that portion of the road, would that then give you access to your home?
3: Ministry of Transportation will not entertain any ideas whatsoever. Um, Peter Adamo, who is a, a counsel, our counselor for the FERD. Uh, has been trying to work something out with with Ministry of Transportation to try to solve this problem. he's He's been really trying to help. Um, I know he's put forward several ideas or options to solve this problem, and Ministry of Transportation won't have just just won't entertain any idea. They won't do anything. And they will not provide any even even to him, they will not provide any documentation. About when this was done, why it was done, or that it was done at all. There's no evidence whatsoever.
0: What would happen then if you just went and fixed that road and built yourself your own access to your property?
3: Oh, well, the, the neighbor next door has the road blocked with big boulders now. So there, and and I don't want to get into a fight with him, and I don't want to have anyone that comes to help maybe get criminally charged for doing for trespassing or. I really don't know what would happen if we tried to fix the road ourselves, because according to the Ministry of Transportation, it's a private road on my neighbor's property now.
0: Hmm. And, Are there other I'm, families impacted by this?
3: Well, just just, just uh, there's two houses on our property. I, I rent one house out, and um, one house my daughter and I um, have there. So there's there's two houses. And um, and there's children that live there, there there's, there's actually 11 people altogether that live on the property, including children, and, and it, it, yeah, there's nowhere for anyone to go. There's no, you know, it, it's impossible to rent a place these days for even for working people. It's very difficult to afford the rents that are out there. Um, I'm just I'm at a loss of what to do. I mean, um, Peter Adamo has also he set up a meeting. He he got the the uh, the, the head of the uh, FERD. He got our MLA uh, Jackie Tegger, um and and set up a meeting with Modi between all of them to try to find out what the problem is. Why why Ministry of Transportation won't do anything and Ministry of Transportation refuses to attend the meeting. It was supposed to be for, for Friday, the June 16th, but they refuse to attend. They won't even say what the problem is to, not to me, not to even elected government officials.
0: And I I hear the frustration in your voice because, again, it it just seems so absurd that here you are in a position where you're not going to be able to come to or from your own home, your own property. Uh, This is then happening in a couple of days. Is that because, is Trans Mountain then shutting down the easement or the road that the company has been using, or they just don't want people using that road either?
3: Trans Mountain says they're finished with the reclamation in a couple of days there and they are closing their temporary easement access in in two more days
0: and what happens to that piece of property then what happens to that easement after they close it
3: well it, it belongs on the neighbors on the other side of our property it goes through their backyard and and i can understand them not wanting to use that because it's right right near their house you know it, it's not it's not a, a a regular road it's just an easement
0: mm, right uh, so what do you do at this point? And again, you mentioned Peter uh, Adamo. He came on this program last time we were talking about this. So what do you do now?
3: I wish I knew what to do. I'm talking to you. I don't know about help. But I'm, we're just trying. we tried everything we can do. You know, I mean, I've hired law firms to try to help with this. So I, don't. I really don't know what to do at this point because we can't even, Ministry of Transportation won't even entertain anything. They won't even talk to us about any solutions. So, and, and I, it just, it just feels like, you know, what they've done is, is not legal because if you look at the, the legalities around, um, what makes a road public as opposed to private, that, the, um, A public road is deemed is always a public road once a public road is a public road it's always a public road and if if public uh, if the public uses that road and and public money has been spent to maintain that road which it has for many years then it is a public road but for some reason it's not it doesn't make any sense to me
0: Well, Evan, we're going to continue following up on this with some of the officials that you mentioned and try to figure out again, like you just said, how can the status of a road like that change and leave somebody without access to their own property? Uh, Let's leave it there for today. But again, we will talk to you about this soon, I'm sure. And keep in touch with us.
3: Well, thanks very much for speaking to me again, Joey. I much appreciate it.
0: coming up a little bit later on this hour, we take a look at why U.S. border towns say they are still struggling. Right now, though, we are looking at pay parking, and if you have spent any time parking at meters, you know it can be very expensive. In the city of Vancouver, it can be as much as $9 an hour, and it's not a great feeling when you go back to your vehicle and you find maybe you were five minutes past what you had paid for, and you have a ticket. Because of that, a lot of people get the reminders, the text messages to their phone saying your parking is about to expire. You can renew it if you have the app, but makes it a lot easier so you don't get those parking tickets or even worse that your car, your vehicle is towed. Well, the pay by phone app is adding a service charge and this has to do with the parent company. The change means that to get that warning, the text message saying that your parking is about to expire, the company would then charge you 15 cents every time they send the text message about parking and this is not sitting well with everybody that uses parking and uses those parking meters dave payson is joining us now dave payson is the owner of the east vancouver cleaning products company called pink solution canada dave thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with us
4: no problem. Thank you, Jill.
0: You, you me on. Well, thank you, because you are somebody that uses parking meters. I know with your vehicles, you're often at these spots. How did you first find out about the fact that these text messages, the reminders, are now going to cost money?
4: Interesting. I got a call from a friend of mine who told me about it, and um, I was completely unaware, because I get them all the time and never thought anything of it. And uh, and he told me that they were charging 15 cents and other municipalities charge more or less or whatever it is, but I, I was totally unaware of it. And then I started looking at it and I was like, sometimes they use two, three times a day when necessary. And, and it's not so much the, the 15 cents, although it adds up. Um, it's the fact that they didn't bother to tell anybody. And didn't tell me. I'm a regular user. I never got any emails or notes from the company that were charging 15 cents extra for doing this. And they, they didn't tell you to change your settings if you want to opt out. To me, it just seemed like it was a surprise. And it's not so much the money. It just seemed it came across as a real cash grab, like another one of those, let's maximize shareholder value by gouging our customers.
0: Uh, Right, because, and I'm guessing too, now I use the app as well, and I'm going to go and check and see if if I've, uh, clearly I will if I've had these warnings, but do you, does it go then just onto the credit card on your app? And I guess it would look, unless you were looking for this or unless you had, uh, your friend hadn't told you, uh, 15 cents. And again, doesn't seem like a lot, but it does add up. So it would just be added to the parking. So even on your statement, it would probably look like just the cost of parking in total.
4: How do you say that? I went back and looked, and I never saw any any charges fifteen cents, but I saw the charges for parking. So I assumed. I always thought. I never. It never occurred to me that fifteen cents was included in that charge. To be honest with you, right? But it's kind of weird, to say the least. Um, you know, it, it just seems to me that we get in a time, and, and you know, it's owned by Volkswagen Financial, which is a huge company. Um, you know, they, I, my understanding is they make gazillion dollar profits, and it's. I'm not against profits, but. Do um, you really need to nickel and dime people and, and, and extract every penny you can out of your customers? I mean, where does customer goodwill come in? You know what I mean? I mean, sending a text message costs them nothing, um, yet they're charging us 15 cents. You know, it, it, and, you know, you multiply it up by how many thousands a day there are. It adds up pretty quick. It's a nice chunk of income for absolutely no cost.
0: Right. And do you depend on those warnings to let you know that your parking is about to expire?
4: I do, actually, um, because, you know, sometimes you're, I should make a point. When you leave early, you don't get credited for the, for the amount of parking time that, you, that you, you've got left, which, okay. But, you know, if you're over, it does come in handy. I haven't had a parking ticket, thankfully, touch wood in a long time. Um, so, yes, it does come in handy, uh, you know. So, yes, I do use
0: it. Right. It's funny you say that as well, because I remember uh, it seems like it was a long time ago now uh, the, uh, at Global doing the story of when the meters were all changing over from taking change to the ones where, like you said, it's on the app or you, d- you don't get a credit if you leave early. But that kind of uh, feeling of you've won the, the small lottery when you pulled into a parking space <laughs> when there was still 12 minutes left or, or 25 yeah. minutes left and it was uh, such a happy thing. But that doesn't happen anymore. You're, you're right. No, you don't get those extra bonuses and you don't get a refund.
4: Well you know you think about it, it's parking on a city spot as opposed to a parking lot. The city can, can actually make double the money mm-hmm. for a certain period of time if somebody pulls into your spot and you have time left.
0: Yeah, absolutely and uh, and I'm sure that the fees have gone up substantially uh, with that change. Uh, so so when you look at this then like and like you said so the, nothing went out to tell customers that this has changed or this fee is going to be charged but there is a way that you can opt out if you then maybe want to set your own timers or find a way to to try and make sure you can keep track of the time uh, which if you have a fleet of vehicles I'm sure that would be very difficult too but th- there is a way you can opt out so would you consider doing that, or do you depend on the service?
4: Um, you know what, for the amount of time, I kind of depend on it. So, yeah, I, I, I thought about it. I know friends of mine. It's funny, when this story first came out, I was working out with a bunch of friends of mine, probably about a six or seven of them, and the topic came up. It was a topic conversation for quite a while, and probably five of the seven didn't know they could change their settings, but it mentioned that they had changed their settings to opt out of it. The other ones were like me where you use it all the time. You, you know, It's worth the 15 cents as opposed to a 35 or $70 parking ticket, right? So it was worth it. But it was kind of interesting. It was a very polarizing thing. And to a person, every one of them thought it was just another you know, gouge the customer kind of thing for something that doesn't really cost a lot of money. But I guess for them, it maximizes their shareholder value and increases their profit margins.
0: And it's something, too, like you said, because it's $0.15, cents, it's not like it's $5 every time there's the warning sent. Because it's $0.15, cents, it's likely in that range where a business person like yourself, it's not worth it to not have it and get a ticket no. or worse, get towed because you're in a three to six no-stopping zone or something like that. So you will eat up this cost and just keep paying it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And just so you know, I, I mean, I park in three to six spots and I get I start sweating with it about <laughs> five to three. Um you know, in some places, it doesn't warn you that your park, the meter is only good till 3 o'clock in some cases. Um, I noticed that you want to pay for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever, and it's quarter after two, you still pay for the hour, right? Whether, whether it's 3 o'clock or not. But it doesn't warn you your parking is about to expire at 3 o'clock, you know, that it becomes a no parking zone or anything. So if they did something like that, it wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I could see that being a little more acceptable, right. you know? Um, but it doesn't do that. So it just operates by you punching your number, as you know, and you pay and nowhere you go.
0: No, it's very true. And, and if I sometimes leave, if I leave here right after the show, I see, I, inevitably, I will see parking attendants and tow trucks that are just sitting there waiting in those three That's to perfect. six zones. So they are, they get on there. And, and I get it. They need those, their reason is for traffic and rush hour and people to get through. But you don't have a lot of leeway if you mistakenly leave your vehicle in one of those.
4: No, I'll give you an example, John Hastings, um, it, it, what is it, 900 block Hastings, there's a three to six, you know, free zone. And I noticed the they're, 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 they're busters or, or whoever it is, I think the busters lined up around the corner. There's three or four trucks around the corner just waiting. And they're literally there within two minutes. And and I understand, you're right, it, it's, you know, for the flow of traffic. But, you know, when you're paying for this app, you would think they'd at least say that you're in a zone that's uh, no parking zone after a certain time, or whatever the case could be, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I, I think that's just—I think that's just common sense. It's like the city, you know. Uh, you know I, I don't know what the answer would be. I guess it's just frustration more than anything, because parking is already incredibly expensive mm-hmm. you know, in many parts of the city, and it just—it just adds to the frustration of dealing with the city, quite frankly, dealing. You would- have to deal with. Being downtown or wherever, there's, well, there's not many places that free parking anymore. So
0: no, it's you know. it's very true. And and like I said too, I think the it can go at least up to nine dollars an hour uh, during uh, daytime if you're if you're uh, parked at parking meters. And uh, I would imagine too, maybe not just because of the 15 cent fee, but add this to the price of parking, everything else that's gone up. I would think you, like many other business owners, there's one way to to deal with that. you, you can only eat so much of the cost before you start passing it on to your customers.
4: Well, you know, it, it's interesting you say that. I think the cost of everything arises, the pressure to not raise prices or shrink product size is enormous. But people notice and they complain and they have other options. So cost of doing business in the city of Vancouver is already, you know, prohibitive in many cases. Um, but the, the big thing is that you're, you're between a rock and a hard place. If you don't, you go out of business. And if you do, you stay in business, but you may be compromising quality or product or anything else. So you have to come up with a happy medium that people that people can accept. And that's what we try and do, to be honest with you. We don't, we don't change our quality, but we try and come up with, you know, reasonable, reasonable um, alternatives that are acceptable to customers. That's the only thing you can do, you know.
0: All right. Well, Dave, thank you for joining Thanks, us Jill. today and talking more about this. Appreciate your time.
4: No problem. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.
0: Well it seems like a long time ago the border was shut down between the United States and Canada. As we recall, all part of the pandemic in the early days when we really didn't know what was going on, how long the border would be closed. But there was always the idea once the border reopened, people would go back to their old habits. And for many, that meant going across the line, going to different stores in Bellingham and Blaine. Tour buses would go to the different shops, to Bellis Fair Mall as well. But it appears those numbers haven't really come back to the way they were pre pandemic. Joining us to talk a bit more more about potentially why that is, is Guy Ochio-Grosso, the President and CEO of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce. Guy, thank you so much for being with us again. Great to talk with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Well, we talked about this. I know when the border was starting to reopen and there was all of this anticipation of people coming back. How would you characterize, though, how things have rebounded since the border opened?
1: Uh I think it's certainly better, right? The um, As we saw a very quick closure of the border, uh, we have seen this, what I would call gradual softening of the border. And so it's certainly better than it was uh, at the start of the pandemic, or even when the various stages of border opening and border reopening happened over the last couple of years. Uh, but, To your to your earlier comments, it's certainly not back to normal if we could classify a normal.
0: Right. And, And do you think I know there's been talk of maybe not as many tour buses in the area or the exchange rate. Is there any one thing that you think you can pinpoint to say why those numbers haven't come back to pre pandemic numbers?
1: So I would say let's define pre-pandemic like 2018, 2019, right? Right. Uh, Because we can go back much further than that. And then I would say exclusively it was the uh, exchange rate. Like if the Canadian dollar were to get to 90 cents on the dollar, we would see a much faster and maybe even surpass what 2018, 2019 was. So if we're just using that 2018, 2019 numbers, I think it's habit. I think we spent a year and a half changing habits, changing perspectives, technology changed. Uh, so, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with habits. And you mentioned like tour buses. And I mean, that's certainly an, an aspect of it, right? If, you, if a tour bus operator can't fill a bus, they're not going to have them. And that's a pretty big one-time hit uh, for a particular uh, retailer or like a shopping center for sure.
0: Right. Uh, What about border lineups and and the border itself? And I know there's been some talk that the lines are perhaps longer than they were before. Is it people shying away, do you think, because they don't want to get stuck in those lineups?
1: You know, what we've seen is, um, again, pre-pandemic, people wouldn't have any problem getting stuck in a line. Right. So I don't know how much of it is. That I mean, does anyone like a line? No. Has our uh, appetite for lines and waiting for things increased over the last three years? No, not at all. (laughs) So there's probably some of that. Again, I don't know how much of that is just "Hmm, I got out of the habit of this being a normal thing versus I just don't want to wait in line anymore. I mean, we look at the work life balance demands of workforce. And I think there's that there's that choice. And so certainly I think it's, it's an element to it. I tend to think it's probably more so Again, if we are looking at that just pre pandemic situation, it's just habits change. And I think we knew that it would take time for Canadians to cross the border. And for a lot of different reasons, sometimes you get out of the habit sometimes there's a safety component to it. Um, there's always a little bit of anxiety. I think anytime you're, You're crossing an international boundary. Uh, So, yeah, I think a lot of it is, is habit, but all of those things certainly play a role.
0: Right. And you mentioned kind of uh, the technology and, and habits and what people are used to and what they're doing now. Is it also, do you think the selection and the reason maybe if we just look at people, say, who were going across the line to go shopping, whether it was to go to Costco mm-hmm. in Bellingham or it was to go to Trader Joe's because we don't have a Trader Joe's yep. on this side of the border. Correct. Is it that perhaps people can still get other thi- other things on the Canadian side, but that's what the draw is? And maybe it's not drawing as many people.
1: Uh, yes, I think so. I think succinctly I will answer that with a yes. I do think the expansion of products has certainly increased. Uh, and, it, and you know, retailers and manufacturers probably had to figure that out when a big portion of their, uh, their product purchases were being made by people out of the country. So I imagine greater distribution methods um, probably has aided in the ability for people to find things on that side of the line.
0: Right. How concerning is that then? Because I remember talking to you Mm -hmm. about this and about when people were starting to come back, the welcoming of the BC license plates and so many businesses that really uh, depended on, not not make or break, but did depend on that portion of customers.
1: Well, I would be more concerned with some of our smaller cities. Because again, to that point, a lot of our, you mentioned Costco, right? A lot of our big national companies, they're all still here after not having a big Canadian influence or any Canadian influence statistically over the course of a couple of years. So most of our national retailers are here for the U.S. market, but fully take advantage, appreciate, and value the Canadian impact into that market. With that said, I think when you look at the communities of Blaine and Sumas and the really nuanced dialogue of Point Roberts, that's when those system changes that we're seeing, those communities will have a much, I don't want to say harder time, but their job is harder to kind of figure out how to pivot into what's what's a new normal look like for them. For Bellingham, for the most part, I think it's certainly – not a new normal philosophy that they have to approach it with because they still they're still having retailers. We're still having Canadian shoppers and we certainly appreciate it and they would probably love to have more. Uh, But I think it's a different dialogue. It's a different community construct for some of our small communities.
0: Right. And are you seeing still uh, is it still a pretty big thing (laughs) as far as Canadians coming uh, to Bellingham for package pickup?
1: You know, I think that um, speaks to your point that Canadians figured out other ways and uh, companies figured out other ways to get packages across the line. Um, I do believe some of our, again, a lot of that in like Blaine and Sumas, um, I do believe they still have uh, some pretty active stores. I don't think it's near what it was before, uh, but I do believe it's, it's coming. It's, it has rebounded a little bit, let's say.
0: Uh, so, what would you like to see? And like you said, uh, businesses are, were very welcoming of Canadians. Would like to see more Canadians come back. Absolutely. Is this, is this yeah. though trying to figure out? Okay, if we don't see those numbers, trying to figure out how do you navigate that and, and figure out with, with not as many.
1: Um, I think it. I think it's going to be so dependent upon whatever business, right? It's it's a it's a choice, and you you'd mentioned. Um, let's call it product selection, has always been one of the aspects of why Canadians were to cross the border. I mean, sometimes it's just the dollar for dollar, the apple to apple price point. Sometimes it's the the sales tax. Sometimes it's selection. And there's still a lot of reasons why I think Canadians would choose to come shop um, in the States or in Whatcom County and Bellingham specifically. And I think those still remain. Now, they may have changed, they may have uh, lessened in some regard, but I still think there's pr- there's still a fairly strong value in doing so. Uh, I do think that there's some other mechanics at play that we've not talked about that I think speak to a delay in getting back to normal is like the Nexus Pass, which is a really great tool that our communities can even take advantage of both ways, because I love going up to... Canada myself. Um, So having the Nexus offices restarted again and getting people processed will certainly aid in the I would say expansion of those numbers and getting people back comfortable crossing the line because this goes back to your who wants to wait in the line. Well, get a Nexus pass and that line is generally much much shorter.
0: Yeah, I don't think if for any reason, and I hope this never happens, but if for ever any reason I ever lost my Nexus card, I don't know that I would. I would only do it maybe at three o'clock in the morning. I, I would not. I would not be making yeah. those trips and standing waiting in those lineups.
1: Right. Totally. Exactly. And I think a lot of people experienced that when I heard and listened, even with um, Whatcom County residents that had their Nexus card, there was a lot of frustration and hesitation is probably the biggest one of saying, gosh, I, you know, I've got my enhanced driver's license as well. So I can, I can cross the border, but that Nexus pass makes a big difference. And so I think once the agencies are able to process the backlog of applications and renewals, we'll see an even greater increase, getting back to a normal, if you will.
0: All right. And Guy, just one other question. Is it also cost of living and in inflation in that nobody has been immune to that? So is there the idea, whether it's it's true or not, that, that, that coming down to the States, if you are grocery shopping or, or that kind of thing, <coughs> uh, even with the exchange, that maybe the deals just aren't as much?
1: I would say inflation is a very real concern and that's a very, I would say statistically, I don't see how it does not impact it. Um, because both of us are, are both, both areas, both countries are certainly seeing that inflation, the that cost increase across the board for things. And, you know, people are, probably doing a better job or attempting to do a better job budgeting and managing those dollars, uh, searching for the best deals, if you will. So yeah, I do think that has some, some contribution into the people's personal choice to do so. Uh, But I do think, especially southbound Canadians coming into Whatcom County has generally always been a value driven choice and it's a value driven choice for many different reasons. So If if you're buying X product and you're trying to decide whether to do that here or across the line or if you need that product here or you can't get it other than that, um, there's still some rationale of why you would choose to do that. And even this is all in theory.
0: All right. Well, it's interesting to take a look at the numbers and to see where things are for all of those reasons that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Guy, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you so much as always. Great to have you on the show.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.